my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So for obvious reasons, I've never been asked to preach at a black history event before. So it was a kind of interesting experience of going, well, what? (laughs) What do I have to add to that? I know I'm the bishop, but me, Jennifer, white woman, what can I say? What What would Bishop Allen have me preach? And I read his story, I did a little research on him, and his, for those who are not familiar with his story, he is the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. Um, And he was the founder of the AME Church because he was a Methodist, and he did such good work in his congregation in Philadelphia that it grew exponentially with African Americans. And so he spoke to the powers that be and said, you know, can we have our own church? And they said, no, go up to the balcony. All those people that you've brought, we're so glad you're here, go sit up there. And so unwilling to be unified under the rules that the dominant power were willing to extend to be unified, he said, no. Sometimes Christ calls us to break free, and that means that I am going to go worship over here with my congregation where we can worship fully as children of God and not get stuck in the balcony. And so he comes with this sort of, and I think I'm curious who the next, what the next preachers will do over the next weeks, because next week is Absalom Jones, who had a different answer to the same issue. And Frederick Douglass, who also had a different answer to that issue. But, but Bishop Allen said there are times when in order to be an authentic follower of Jesus, we must accept division for the sake of justice. And so as a white female bishop hearing that story, it makes me say, okay, well, let's engage that. You know, where are the places today where, as a person of power, I am potentially sending people up to the balcony? Where are the places today where we are trying to hold union at the expense of the people who are suffering? And in Jesus, as we, you know, I get to do confirmations every Sunday. So every Sunday I begin, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. And that is true. And are there times when splitting is right? And it reminded me of a story that I had heard in New York many times, a story that was handed to me by George Brandt, who was the rector of St. Michael and All Angels on the Upper West Side, and who who loved stories, and the stories that George told, you knew they were always true enough, but there was probably always some stuff, you know, embellishments. And the story as George had told it was the story of when Bishop Manning in the 30s integrated All Souls Church in Harlem. And so I looked up to see to document if there was any any documentation at the time of this story. So I'm going to do the story and, and go from 
go from George's version and the documented version and where they intersect. <laughs> to show where, where white people who are in positions of power can affect justice, sometimes through division. And so as George told the story, Bishop, there was a, a church in Harlem, and I've only since learned it was All Souls. There was a church in Harlem in the 30s, so picture Harlem in the 30s, and this church was whites only. But because it was the 30s in Harlem, they were beginning to integrate, and the rector wanted them to integrate, but the vestry did not. <laughs> and so the story, to the way George told it, was that Bishop Manning arrived in his limousine, accompanied by a stout acolyte on either side, fully vested, and came to the gates of the church, and the gates of the church were locked, and the vestry stood behind the gate. And according to George, Bishop Manning demanded to be let into the church. <laughs> the vestry said no, at which point George got the acolyte to give him an axe, and he chopped through the, the gate and then processed in singing Onward Christian Soldiers. <laughs> um, oh, and he excommunicated the whole vestry as well as he went in. When I looked up the documentation to find out, well, what, what really happened? Because <laughs> I bet there's some stuff that, about that, that story that's true, and I bet there's some stuff there that is embellished. The, um, the Pathfinder, which was a local newspaper, had an article about it, and indeed, Bishop Manning showed up in full vestments. <laughs> and Bishop Manning was a conservative, very Anglo-Catholic bishop. But he knew that this, he knew that God was for integration. And so he came to the church and it was locked. And according to the documentation in the Pathfinder, he called a locksmith. Not as exciting as the axe but probably less destructive to the congregation. But the locksmith let him in, at which point he did come in in full vestments, and he led a worship, series, worship service, and according to the Pathfinder, he preached a sermon about how in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, and that it was his belief that this congregation needed to reflect the neighborhood around it and that he supported the rector in doing that and that the vestry there were some members of the vestry that shared that vision and some that didn't and he observed that the members of the vestry who didn't want all souls to integrate were the ones who didn't live in the neighborhood anymore and so he said you vest you are relieved of your responsibilities we are going to move forward with the vestry that lives here and a vestry that reflects the neighborhood of this church. And so even as he was preaching, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, you know that we are all one, he understood that in that moment, for that congregation, there needed to be division because there were not people who were willing to follow the commandment of God. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. In Christ there is not African or Methodist or Episcopal. But on earth for now, there is. 
And so my question for us is, will we know the moment when justice has rained down like water enough that we'll know the moment where we really can be one? Will we recognize, you know, will, another way of asking the question is, will we recognize Christ when He returns in a more eschatological way? Will we know the times when we need to be separate enough to be safe and loved and secure and know the times when we can be one safely? And I note that the Methodist Church is doing this right now over a different issue, but they are deciding that it is better to walk separately than it is to walk officially in unity at the expense of some of their members. We're in the season after Epiphany right now where we're hearing stories one after the other of God's manifest presence in the world through the biblical stories. And one of the outward and visible signs of God's manifest presence that we'll hear about next Sunday is the law. Because the law of the God is justice. You know, the care of the orphan and the widow, you know, that's, it's written in the law. It's not extra. It's written in the law that you care for everyone. Hospitality to the stranger, it's written in the law. It's not in addition to it. The law itself says that you are to love and care for the stranger. And Jesus is coming then to fulfill the law. And so we get a glimpse of God's action then in the story from Acts about how Peter and the others are in jail, unjustly accused, and the angel of the Lord frees them right away because the angel of the Lord brings justice. And in the uh, Hebrew Bible reading today, we get the story of the Exodus, or we, we're starting to get the story of the Exodus, and why, why was it that Moses had to go and free the people of Israel, it was because Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and it's, it's never a good thing in Scripture when your heart is hardened. <laughs> you know, Jesus sees people and he has compassion on them. Jesus sees people and, and his heart is warmed. His heart is strangely warmed, in the words of John Wesley. The law in Scripture, in the Hebrew Bible, is supposed to be written on our hearts. We're supposed to have that, that desire for justice in our hearts. And we're called to have hearts of flesh and not hearts of stone, in the words of Ezekiel. And I look at the world today, and I see so many people in need of a heart transplant, from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And as a church, I think we are called to be cardiac surgeons. <laughs> we are called to be the people who are transplanting hearts of stone out of people and restoring to them the heart of flesh that Christ wants them to have. The heart of flesh that will have the law of God written on it. The heart of flesh that understands that justice is part of Christ's reign. The heart of flesh that doesn't send anyone up to the balcony. The heart of flesh that welcomes all people. The heart of flesh that knows that we are one and that in Christ we are one. And the heart of flesh that mourns how we are divided.
So may we have hearts of flesh. May we have the law of God written on these hearts of flesh. And may uh, we accept that having a heart of flesh means that we will feel and cry and bleed and that there will be times that we wish we had the heart of stone because it would be so much easier. But let us never let our hearts be hardened. Amen.